Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Once again, I'm Daryl Urbanski, as always, and today I have a very special guest for you. Today we're uh, joined today by with Gary Henderson, and he is the CEO and founder of Interactivity Digital, and he's definitely a marketer after my own heart. We're both very much in results-based marketing. Gary has a phenomenal team up with him, and they really specialize in funnels and launching and helping people take their existing business and really get it up and running and moving with more momentum and steam. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to work with Gary uh, with a couple of clients, and I just want to say that he's just been a pleasure to work with. Um, really, really, really helps push the envelope as far as industry integrity, as far as quality of work. And he's really a man that's after mastering the craft more so than just making a bunch of money. And what's beautiful is that when you find someone like that who really takes their clients to uh, their clients' goals and objectives to heart, because it's such an amazing thing. The skill as marketers that we have can be extremely powerful and uh, do um, be life-changing for a lot of these people who have worked so hard to get their businesses up and running to where they are. So uh, everyone, I'd like to introduce you to Gary today. Gary, thank you for joining us. I really, really do appreciate your time. Yeah, most definitely, Daryl. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a pleasure. It's just, again, every time we talk, it's just always, it's yeah. I feel like we. I wish you were in like my next door neighbor or something because I just <laughs> love to pick your brain. So we were just. Well, talking. I'll be oh. I'll be spending about two weeks in February out in San Diego. So. Okay. Okay. Well, we definitely need to put something on our calendar because. Um, yeah, it's just great. I mean, even this conversation just now, we were just before we got started, uh, we were talking about a, a client that's just signed on to work with Gary and just how exciting it is that him and I both, you know, she's she's been working so hard and has this beautiful little business that she's already got up and running, but there's so much low-hanging fruit. Like, Gary and I are, like, vibrating with excitement because there's just, for us, it's just such an easy win, right, to see it. So, and it's just such a... A powerful thing. Gary, maybe you could get started, and, and before we really go too far ahead, maybe tell us, before you kind of became this wizard of marketing and, and whatnot, just how how did you even get into it? How did you get started? What you know? When did you first get bit by the marketing bug? And um, maybe just start with a little bit about that. Yeah, so I was, I was a young guy. Um, I actually was accepted into um, a major Ivy League school and elected not to go. Um, I worked for – I actually went to college for about a year and dropped out. Um, my mom's a school teacher, and she was extremely disappointed in the fact that I dropped out of school. Yeah, so she said so. It was for her. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to get a job in computers. <laughs> and she's like, well, no, you're not. You can't get a job in computers in the next you know, whatever amount of time without having a degree. I said, sure, I can. I can do this. So about a month passed, and at the end of that month, I had a job as a head programmer for an advertising agency. And they're here in in my town, um, great company, and my first salary was $20,000 a year. I was 19. I thought it was pretty good money. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have a degree. 
I, I'd never made that much money before, um, or I'd waited tables and probably made more, but didn't realize it. So I just thought it was kind of cool. Uh, I worked for a year, and my task was taking the company digital. So they did traditional advertising, and they did um, printing. So I wrote this system, and I wrote it in FileMaker Pro. I used some touchscreen iMacs, and I completely digitized the entire company in a year. So we got to the end of our one-year window, and they said, cool, this has been awesome. And I said, yeah, it has. And they said, you know, you completed a two-and-a-half-year plan in a year. And I said, wow, that's really neat. <laughs> and they said, we'd like to give you a raise. And my head says, okay, well, two and a half years, you'd have spent about 50 grand on me. Mm-hmm. I got it done in a year, so I've saved you 30. So I should be getting like a ten or $15,000 raise. Okay. And they offered me 10%. And they told me it was the biggest raise that they had ever given anyone. Wow. So they took me from 20000 to twenty two. And at that point, I looked at them, and in the most sincere and genuine voice, I said, with all due respect, I need to resign. Yep, yep. And they said, well, why? We just gave you this awesome raise. And I said, because I've been doing some freelance consulting, and I can make more of that working one day a week. Right. And I started a business. um, At that time, it was called Custom Business Solutions. And I had an angel investor or partner out of Florida. And we worked with some of the biggest companies you're going to find, Ford Motor Company, AT&T, um, most of the major hotel chains. Um, we did – we worked with Christina Aguilera and Lincoln Park and Carrot Top and all this stuff. We did a bunch of stuff with email marketing, just really, really cool stuff. Um, I ran the company for about four and a half years and sold it, did a bunch of consulting, and then um, about five years ago, I started Interactivity Digital. Um, so – I didn't know anything about this entrepreneur or business coaching space that I'm in now. Actually, I had no clue it existed. Um, you know, I'd heard of a couple of the names, but had no clue what they were. Um, I was an agency. We were a, a digital marketing agency. And um, two years ago, I had um, someone reach out to me, and she was in the space. She's a large business coach and um, was in the space and said, I want you to be our traffic company. And I said, well, I don't really know what that is. And I don't really know who you are, so I kind of ignored her for a while, and I was on a flight. And now now give you – we were doing about $750,000 a year, and I was – my profit margin was probably 15 to 20 percent. Right. So really slim profits. Um, So I didn't – like I I just – I didn't know what was going on, so – I did some research on her, and I found out she was like number 225 on the Inc. 500, 5,000 list. And I said, well, hell, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So then I did some research on what a traffic company was, and I figured out I was a traffic company. I actually owned one. (laughs) So I reached back out, and I said, hey, I I own a traffic company, and and you seem to have this pretty cool business. You did like $2.5 million last year, so um, why don't we do a meeting? And we did a meeting, and she, she hired me the very next day. Or hired my company, um, and she started teaching me a lot about the space. And I started to see the fact that, like, she had the same size team that I had, like, as employee wise, mm-hmm. and she was doing like four times more money than me. Right. And I was like, whoa, I'm doing something way wrong. And I started to learn, and I joined her mastermind, and I've worked with her for about eighteen months, and just learned a lot, and saw a huge void in the space for people who help entrepreneurs, business coaches, and info marketers, Mm. people who do the funnel builds and drive the traffic for them and 
all that stuff because everyone else that's in the space, they 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 learn that they can drive traffic for themselves and make more money. Right. They learn they can develop their own info products and make more money. Right. Where with us, sure, we want to do some of that too, but there's no one doing what we're doing in the space at the caliber that we're doing it. Right. So we've been able to carve out our own little niche in the space. Mm-hmm. Um do amazing rock star stuff with their clients um, and and just have just a blast at life and a blast doing it. Mm, that's such an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, experience, such an awesome approach to business as well. It's funny, I was just reading in Charlie Munger's book about, we talked about carving out a little niche, talking mm-hmm. about how he, he equates uh, a market to an ecosystem and that, you know, the, the animals that do best in the ecosystem are the ones that carve out a special skill set for themselves. Right. Um, which is what we talk about, like inch wide, mile deep and finding and positioning. We use those terms right often enough, but that's essentially what it is. You, you've evolved into a certain type of creature that does a certain thing really, really well. And, um, nobody else is doing it. And that makes you one easy to identify Two, It makes you very attractive for people that want that sort of thing. And three, it allows you to really specialize in that and get really good at that. Um, and just kind of, it's again, Warren Buffett's thing. He wants a business that's in a castle on a hill with a moat around it. Yep. And, um, yeah, that sounds like a really, really, really good move. So, Gary, what have been some of the challenges that you've had to overcome in these growing pains? I mean, obviously, you know, it sounds like just kind of like just kind of really from from bottom to top straight up. But I know that you've had ups and downs along the path and lots of learning lessons and and challenges and breakthroughs. And so what were some of the big kind of aha moments for you, I guess, in your in your progression? Yeah, I'd say the biggest one um, came to me. I used to do custom proposals for everyone. Hmm. So I used to think that I needed to get on the phone with people, mm-hmm. and I needed to learn everything about their business, and I needed to completely tell them everything I was going to do for them, and then uh, allow them to choose if they wanted to work with me or not work with me. Oh, I and, this is going. This is going to be good. Yep. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I thought, okay, so I was spending a ton of time developing these proposals and, and pitching and and my my first business coach said you just need to develop a package. And I said no, people don't buy packages, and they don't want a package. They want something custom to them because some people need this and some people need that. And she's like, no, 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 no. Just just build a package. Sell everybody the same package. Right. And I bought this book by Blair Inns, and it's called The Win Without Pitching Manifesto. It's this little black book, and I really haven't read it. <laughs> other than the first chapter. Okay. And I don't even know that I made it through the first chapter. Okay. But it what it says is what the world doesn't need is another creative agency. Right, okay. What the world needs and what the great clients are willing to pay for is basically a magician or somebody magic. And it's just it's this cool cool book that I've just completely fell in love with. I read the first chapter over and over again. And it talks a lot about, like, don't sell what you do. Sell the outcome or the result of what you have. So I think that's the biggest pitfall. I used to sell, you get to work with us for 17 hours a month. And we charge $100 an hour. So, man, you get 17 hours of our time this month. Right. And you want to do 20 hours? Cool. That's how I'm going to make more money. I'll sell you 20 hours. And I had this mentality of, 
if I could pay my employees you know, $15, $20 an hour, that's a fair wage, mm-hmm. I could make the spread of like $85 an hour. You know, 80, 85 bucks an hour. I make a spread. I make money. My employees make money. We're all happy. And I can just go hire new employees. Well, what I found is doing what we do is very difficult, and employees are not around every corner. Mm. What I also found is charging someone for hours, they don't value what you do. Charging someone for the end result yes. is when they, they're, they're just like, that's magic, or that's awesome, or, right. you know. So that was, I'd say, my biggest pitfall and probably one of the biggest ahas I've had in my business over the last, wow, probably two years. And it's why we're running like a 59% profit margin right now. That's just excellent. Yeah, that's excellent. Are you there, Gary? Yep, yep, I'm here. Sorry. Sorry, no, it's okay. I didn't want to interrupt your thought. Yeah, but so you're saying in finding people that do what you do is hard. um, so what was your solution? Um, honestly, it was stop pitching. Start selling the same thing to everyone. They all have the same problems. Um, streamline what we do, when we do it, and how we do it. And raise our prices to get a better caliber client. Hmm. Yep. I found the more you charge people, the more committed they are to their result. Yes. Yeah, which is so – you know, and that's so frustrating for me because <laughs> – it's so, it's so like for, for perfect example, there's a, like around the corner from my house and not to go on too much of a tangent, but there's a, I go for this place sometimes for lunch. It's a Mexican place. And there's a restaurant across, excuse me, across the street from it. And I never see anyone in that restaurant. If I ever see anyone there, it's like one or two tables. So I go in there one day for lunch and I buy lunch and I bring a friend and I, I just spend all this money because I feel bad for the owner and I talk to them about their business and I give them all sorts of like tips and thoughts and fee- and I just, and I not, I didn't try to go in and be like the bull in the China shop. I really tried to just talk to them. What, you know, how are you doing? Oh, no way. How long have you guys been here? All the, and, pu- and pulling the questions, almost trying to lead them to their own conclusions and give, you know, what's your biggest frustration? Have you thought about doing this? And they've like done nothing. And it's, I know it's because they, I was giving them for free. I was just a nice guy that came in and we talked and they felt better but they didn't do anything there was no commitment to it and um it's just it's so frustrating because you can give people free advice and it doesn't go anywhere and then on the other hand people who commits like what seems to be like an an absorbent amount of money for them they'll be some of the most committed people ever i mean to to even to to expand on this better i have a call almost every week with a buddy dan of, uh, of mine and him and i we both started out you know and we can almost trace back to one of our first marketing conferences we both showed up for and i was in there you know kind of on my last dime and he showed up and he had a loaf of bread and a thing of peanut butter and that was like his meal for the next three days because he was, you know, like startup guys trying to figure out how to make it work. And I think him and I, like out of all the people we know and even people that were paying big bucks to be in like the mastermind programs and that, I just feel like him and I, because we came there and we'd given so much, we got so much more out of it. So I just want to expand on that because I just, it's just this weird psychological thing I think everyone listening to this call really needs to understand and, and maybe experiment with in their own business because it's exactly like you say, you charge more. You get a better quality client, they complain less, and they're more apt to follow your advice and implement. I mean, where where do you yeah. lose? Like, at what point? Um, yeah, no, you're 100% correct. Um, you know, one of my mentors told me never to give anyone anything for free or comp them because they won't value it. So, like, you're, if you start a new program or, you know, whatever it is, your, your inclination or your first instinct yep. is to say, like, you know, hey – 
come on board with this. Let me work with you. You'll be my case study, and I'll, I'll do this, and I won't really charge you. But right. what happens is they never do the work that they need to in order to get the success because they didn't invest in it, right. and they don't care. Right, and it's it's this weird like what's in it for me thing because uh, we all walk around all day every day listening W I I F M. What's in it for me? But it's like when they yep. pay something, they feel like I got to get my money's worth. But if it was given them to free, they feel that there's no there's no fear of loss for not taking action because there was nothing risked to get it. I don't know. It's just such yep. a weird anomaly. And it's something I noticed you posted this the other day. And it's one of my often one of my first uh, piece of advice I give to a lot of clients is depending on what situation they're in, just charge, charge more, double, double your prices. Yeah. You, you'd have to lose 51% of your client base before doubling your prices is a bad idea. And most of them don't. If anything, they've, I think the most I've ever heard of a client losing was 15%. And out of that 15 were a bunch of tire kickers and complainers and people that were really sucking up their customer service hours. Yeah, you're uh, exactly right. So, which is just so weird. Anyway, sorry, keep going. You great, great stream of thought. I love this. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's charge an amount to where you get the right customer. Um, and there's also this value thing. Like if you're trying to work with, a big name person or someone big in their industry and you walk in the door and you try to charge too little, they won't even think twice about you because that's the other, I guess the big aha is, you know, we started our very first package was $24,000 a year. Right. And in the past 15 months, we've grown to $72,000 a year. Yep. Yep. And the reason why we grew is number one, because I wanted to serve fewer clients and make a bigger impact. But number two, it's very simply our clients started to have these big goals. They're like, I want to do, I want to add an extra million dollars of revenue, or I want to do, you know, two point five million this year. And they didn't even think I was serious when I said it costs twenty four thousand dollars and we can make that happen. Right. It just they're like, no way you could make an extra million and a half in revenue for twenty four grand. Right. And I'm like, sure, we can do it. <laughs> And they're just like they didn't believe it. So as soon as I started charging seventy two, they were like, "Yeah, I believe that. Yep. It's a it's a considerable investment now. Now I believe you can make the return on that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the funny again. It's just such a funny psychological thing. Same same offer, but people receive it differently based on price. Just so yeah, weird. it's actually less of an offer. <laughs> yeah. Like whenever I was charging twenty four and thirty six, and this is another. I guess I mean hell. There's all kinds of ahas here. But another big one was when I was charging 24 to 36, they wanted a lot of my one-on-one -on -one time. They wanted to come and actually fly to South Carolina and spend a day with me. Right. Now that I'm charging 72, they don't want to. They just want you to do it, yeah. Yeah, they're just like, I don't really care if I spend a day with you. I don't even care if I talk to you on the phone. Just just give me the results that I've got, and I'm good to go. <laughs> and like, I actually have clients who don't want to talk to me anymore. They'd rather talk to my team. Yep. But at the 24 or 36 number, I was getting the people who felt that they needed to talk to me, yep. who yep. felt they were paying for an hour of my time rather than paying for the result that I was going to give them. Yeah, yeah. And it was so simple. It's just like literally we were at $36,000 in August, and as of September 1, we doubled our prices to 72. Yep. And since then, I've closed eight new clients at $72,000. Right, yep. No slowing down. I've honestly only had… I think I've had two clients say no since then. Yeah, which is again that comes down from almost being a bit a bit of a boutique, 
because yep. now you can charge more, you know, and price is not the first reason people buy. It's not often. I use this analogy off, uh, oftentimes with clients or in, in, in anything that I do, but it's where, you know, you, you, you're suffering. You've been up all night with a pounding headache. You just can't get relief. You go to the shop or the drugstore. You want to buy some headache medicine. You're going down the aisle. There's this big blue jug. It's like three liters for 99 cents. And it just says medicine cures everything on the front. And right next to it is this tiny little bottle that says, uh, severe headache medicine uh, relieves relieve your headache in you know in thirty minutes or less, and it's three dollars and ninety nine cents. Even though it's you know three dollars extra, you're more likely to buy the small bottle for three ninety nine versus the big jug for ninety nine cents because the big jug it says it works, but there, you don't know when is it going to work and what's the experience going to be like. This it's like two pills will resolve your headache in thirty minutes or less. Like people will pay more just because there's almost like a a sense of more security in knowing what they get, and almost that's it's almost sounds like that's what the price is. The price helps them believe more in your service over your competitors. Cause man, if he's going to charge me that kind of money, you know, he knows if I don't get my results, I'm going to complain. Right. And you know, there's that psychological aspect to it as well. So I think that, um, anyways, just, yeah, I like your quote of never give away anything for free or comp people because they won't value it. And I know that I've had a conversation with a couple of people recently about that, because especially as experts, when you're trying to establish your expertise, you feel that you have to give value before you charge money. Um, and then it becomes kind of the slippery slope thing. So how do you, how do you juggle that? I mean, maybe now you're at the point where it's pretty simple. You've got your, um, your standard, I guess, processes that you, you, you put clients through. Is that correct? It's just managing the system of introduction? Yeah, most, most of our clients right now come through referrals or they come through masterminds that I'm part of and they end up building a relationship with me. Right. Um, so that's streamlined the process a lot. Got it. Um, but yeah, you know, you talk about not giving discounts or anything like that, and I really don't, um, even to the point that one of my mentors just hired me. Hmm. And it's, it's really interesting. I paid him $60,000 mm-hmm. for the year. Mm-hmm. He paid me seventy two for the year, and I was talking to someone else that's in his mastermind, and they you know we were talking and and they were talking about working with him too, and they're like, "You know I think I'm just going to do this to help him out and I, I said, "You know why?" And they said, "Well, you know he's helped me so much and I said, "Cool, did you pay him for that mastermind or for the help?" And they said, "Yeah, and I said, "Well, you just paid him what he charged you, so you deserve the help that he gave you mm hmm now do justice to him and charge him what you charge everyone else. Right. And I went in and I charged my normal price. I gave him the normal deal that I give everyone else. Yep. yep. I gave him the same scholarship that I give everyone else, which is the, the couple extra weeks or a month of free service if you say yes on the call. Got it. I did everything that I normally do for everyone else, and he said yes. Yep. Well, so now I know that he's committed to the value of what we're going to deliver. Yeah, right. And he's not, this is something I learned from in the martial arts. Cause you, you know, if you, when I had a martial arts school, we had like an intro and an intermediate and an advanced class and a competition mm-hmm. class. And sometimes you have people come in that are touting, they've got, you know, all this experience in X, Y, Z, but we would always find gaps in their system, in their learning and where they were at. And if anytime I took someone, I tried to like fast track them, it always was a mistake because they'd always have some sort of get glaring hole in their, 
in, in their game or in their, in their strategy. And so everybody just need to go from beginning to end. And it's funny because even when the advanced guys came and I made them go through the basics again, they still appreciated me more. The ones, the ones who couldn't do it, I realized that they would have just been bad clients anyways, but the people who went right. through it, they respected me more because one, we verified their, their, their fundamentals before moving them forward. And the same with you, if you get a client and I'm going to teach you like a client in some ways, that's almost better because there is this, you know, all things being considered equal, people want to do business with their friends. And even if things are unequal, people still, still prefer to do business with their friends, but there is a bit of a fear on there on how is this going to affect the relationship where I think it makes it easier if you have a standard process that you put people through. I know a mentor of mine, I had a referral for him and I tried to do a personal introduction. He uh, kind of reminded me that this isn't the proper channel. And I recognize that because if it's done through the wrong channel, the wrong system, you have misset expectations. People think that they have more direct access to you than they should, or it's just not following the process that you you put in place. Um, Could you maybe talk a little bit about that, about establishing your processes? I know you recommended, what was the tool? It was Sweet Process. Yeah, I use Sweet Process a good bit, but um, you know, I just, I just, I have this standard, and it's what happens. And I tell people before they say yes to working with us, um, everyone always asks what happens when I say yes, and I say here's the deal: you're gonna get, you're gonna be introduced to two people. One is my assistant, and my assistant's gonna take care of things like sending you a gift and making sure you get an invitation to our masterminds and stuff to that extent. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna introduce you to our head of strategy. And she's going to take care of this strategy for your account. And they'll always say something like, so I don't get to work with you. And I'm like, sure you do. I do a group call every Tuesday at 1 o'clock Eastern, and you are happy to talk to me every single Tuesday of the year. Hmm. And I did the exact same thing for my mentor. I did the same thing for the client who just said yes right before we got on this, um, this podcast. Hmm. I do it for everyone. It's like here's what's going to happen. And this is my process because whenever I mess up the process, then I actually don't do a good job and things fall through the cracks. Got it. Like I need to know your address so I can send you a gift. Right. Well, if I don't get it to my assistant to get your address to send you a gift, well, I've you don't get a gift, and, and you're not happy because you didn't get a gift. Right. And if I don't get you to the strategy person, if I try to hold on to you as a client and, and keep you close to me, and then I get you up and running two or three months from now… And I say, cool, now here's this person, and they're going to do strategy for you. Then you feel it was a bait and switch. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so that's where for you making your one day, your hour every week available, that you kind of nip that in the butt. Yep. Now, can you maybe talk, because this is something that's come up on a few different calls, and this is something I think would be really helpful for everyone listening, is talking about kind of the teams and, and again, your systems and that, because I know especially a lot of the people that are inclined to become entrepreneurs or marketers, we're not good operations people. We're not necessarily good systems people in the sense of delegating to others. And I just wanted to talk, uh, to ask you some questions about, you know, when you start putting everything down on your paper, something I hear from clients a lot is there's like a fear that they're not really willing to share, but a fear that their staff are going to, you know, take their operations uh, procedures docs and, you know, and try to compete with them or, you know what I mean? That the the word's going to get out of how they're doing all this stuff. Like there's like a fear of like needing to hold on to that IP. And I just, I guess I just want you to kind of speak a bit to one, um, how do you design, how do you decide what should or shouldn't be a system and how, how do you... I don't know if I'm trying to lead you to an answer, but just I want you to maybe try to see what your answer to that type of person would be as well as what like what is too too detailed of a system and when are you missing opportunities to systemize that you, you should be? 
Yeah. So, you know, for me, I want my team to be better at everything in the business that they, than I am. Like I actually want to be the worst at everything in the business. Hmm. Um, I want to hire people who are better at strategy, people who are better at tactical, people who are better organizers, people who are better designers, better developers, whatever that position is than me. Um, I don't have, I don't need to be the best. Uh-huh. I would love nothing more than than to have an entire team of people who are way smarter than me, and and I just don't have to do anything. Now I know what my strengths are. My strengths are communication. My strengths are sales. Like I'm great at selling stuff, uh-huh. and my strength is strategy. So you know, my head of strategy, I'm still trying to teach and still trying to mentor and and grow that person. So I don't have any problems whatsoever with the fact that they could take everything they learn and go do it on their own. Um, number one, they're not me. And, and I just – I have a, a confidence level, and my clients work with me because it's me. They work with me because they know I'm behind the scenes. They work because mm-hmm. I'm part of that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just feel comfortable. And if they do, you know what? That's okay. Right. They can go do that. Right. And if they want to compete, awesome. We've got a couple of contracts in place that will prevent them from taking our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, we're modifying all those contracts. Um, I had someone tell me never to prevent a, a, a client from taking one of your employees. Or never to prevent your employee from taking one of your clients. You do a dual-level purchase or a dual-level buyout. So for all of our clients, they sign an agreement that says that they will pay 150% of the employee's salary mm. in order to hire that employee. And for all the, the employees, you sign an agreement that says that they will pay 150% of that client's billings for the previous year. Got it. And then if they want to take my client, cool, take them. Got pay me 150%. So if they pay me 72000 then if we take 72000 and add another 36000 to it, then they owe me $108,000 so they can have that client. Right, right, right. And if you want to take my employee and I pay my employee 72000 then pay me $108,000 and you can have my employee. Right. Yep. If my employee wants to go to you. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And it's a great because it's what I like about that strategy is it's almost like – it's like taking a when you have kids. I think like not that I have kids. I have foster kids, but it's like ki- kids are going to do what they're going to do, and so if you just try to stop them, they're just going to go around you. But if you yeah. anticipate that it's going to happen anyways, and you put terms and conditions in place, you have a better you. You know, it's like they, when your child is afraid that there's a monster in the closet. Telling your child there's no monster in the closet isn't going to resolve the fears. Telling them that the monster in their closet doesn't eat kids and only eats bad other bad creatures is more likely to get the results you want. You're exactly right. Right, 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 right. The psychology of it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, excellent. Okay. So, and then how do you know, well, I guess you hire people that are smarter than you. Um, when you sweet process and that to build your operations manuals, do you have any tips or anything for people that are trying to figure out what to systemize down? I guess it just depends. You just make a system and then people use it and it either works or doesn't work. Yeah. You, you do everything manually and then you start to document what you do and what you do repeatedly. And then you put it into a, a – I like sweet process. You put it into any sort of a written SOP or standard operating procedure, and then you tweak and modify it as it grows. Um, never be so rigid that you can't tweak or modify something. Right, yeah, um, of course. But other than that, you know, just like if you notice that you always send out a contract. So like what happens is when a client tells me yes on the phone, we get a contract out to them, and as soon as we get the return contract – then there's an introduction made to my assistant, and there's an introduction made to the head of strategy for that account. And then the head of strategy gets out their stuff, the assistant gets out their stuff, and the, the rest of the thing comes out. As soon as we get the contract back, we actually handwrite a thank you card and mail them a thank you card. 
we mail a thank you card to every person who purchases anything from us. It's a new rule that we have. You purchase a $7 product from us, and you get a thank you card in the mail from us. So those are just systems that we have put in place. We decided what we wanted to do. We decided what we want the experience to be, and then we put it in writing and put a system in place so no one forgets. Or as we get a new employee or we scale, then, then I don't have to go into retraining, and it, everybody knows what to do without, without a lot of interaction with me. Are you there? Sorry, I was talking with my thing on mute. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I had a. I was on a Skype call just before this, and I had a couple of drops in the middle of the call, so I wasn't sure if I lost you again. Yeah, no, no, no. We're good. We're good. Um, I was just saying, is there is that part of the standard day to day operations to 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 work with their SOPs? Because something that I've usually suggested to clients to help them is, if you're already up and running, to have your employees just make a basically just try to make a checklist of what they've done in the day. First, yeah. track what they do, and then to try and break it into three steps. Hey, what did you do? How did you break that into three steps? And then, you know, from there we can take that rough headline outline and figure out if we need to flesh it out more or less. Yeah, uh, you're exactly right. So, you know, I tell them, take the routine tasks that you keep doing over and over again. And when you see yourself doing it a couple of times, I want you to document it yep. and I want to build it into an SOP. And then, you know, we, we're very big on moving people around in the company. Uh, there's something called right person, right seat, yes. which means, you know, are you the right person in the job that you're in? You may be the right person, but in the wrong seat, yep. or you could be, you know, the wrong person in the right seat. Yep. So we may move you. We may, you may decide to leave South Carolina, the state that I live in. Um, we're a right to work state, which means that, that you can quit for any reason you want to quit. No questions asked. You don't even have to tell me you quit. And I can actually walk up to you and say, you know, Daryl, you're wearing a blue shirt in your Skype photo. I don't like that blue shirt, so you're fired. Mm. And I don't have to make an excuse. I can just fire you for any reason I want to fire you. So that's where these SOPs get really important because when you have that critical employee, right. even if it's your assistant that just sends out client gifts and stuff, it orders the toilet paper. Yep. Well, what happens when they leave and you run out of toilet paper? Like that kind of sucks when you're stranded. Yes, yes. Well, and that's the thing. A lot of people, because there's often a debate, right? Like uh, marketing guys, we want to think that everything we do is the most important because nothing happens till the sale is made. And I'm on that li that side of the line as well. I'm from the, you know, I like the idea of having some sort of prototype available and selling it first and then building everything around it because if you can't sell it, then, you know, then that changes everything. But that being said, management is a critical component to maintaining long-term su success and sustainability. Operations and management are huge. You can't have one without the other. If you don't have your marketing in place, you know, then you won't have you won't need good management operations and you can't exist without any of those pieces. So um anyways it's just something that I that struck that stuck out to me because a lot of people, you know, they're a skilled marketer, but I mean you can even take some of the quote unquote gurus like even Dan Kennedy, he's you know he's it's it's just really well known. He's not good with employees, right? That's his yep. whole thing of having you know, but he's a phenomenal marketer. And so it's just I just noticed that, but you just seem to have the operations stuff down and you get really good results for your clients with the marketing as well. That's that's part of why I asked you about that. So um now well, I didn't always have it down. So, and I'm still trying to figure it out. I've learned a lot about how can, you know, what motivates individual people. Mm -hmm. Because we're not all motivated by the same thing. Like, and it totally floored me one time. I had an employee, and I went to go, I was adding a little bit of responsibility to them, and I went to go give them a raise. And they asked me, they said, rather than giving me a raise, can I work a little bit less? Right, which is beautiful. And I'm like, 
what do you mean, work less? And they're like, well, right now if I work 40 hours and you pay me $40,000 and you're going to give me a $5,000 raise, so what if I only had to work 37 hours right? Instead. and make the same amount of money? Yep. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like it just – I didn't understand it. Right. But they wanted a different lifestyle. Yep. And that just made so much sense to me that now I'm able to say, you know, like what motivates you? Like we just – we give our employees 21 paid days off a year. Okay. Like that's unheard of in a small company. Right. And we're extremely close to going to an unlimited amount of paid time off. Really? Yeah, because I just like – like I don't really care what you do when you work for me. All I care about (laughs) is you get results for my clients. Right. Of course. Like that's it. That's all I care about. Like you have these – handful of clients that you're responsible for, go get results for them, and I don't care anything else you do. Yep, yep. And as long as you get results for those clients, awesome. We're all happy. Yep, yeah. I don't care when you come to work. I don't care if you drink a beer sitting at your desk. I don't care if you take a three-hour lunch. I don't care as long as the clients have results because I am of the mindset that I have no money to pay you. Our clients pay entire salaries of all my employees, and all I do is manage the money of my clients. So without my clients paying me, I have no money to pay anyone else because I started this business with $5,000. Mm-hmm. I put $5,000 of my money into it, and I have more than pulled out $5,000 out of this business. Right, 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 so right. So now the only money that's in this business is my client's money. Yep. yep. And if my clients disappear or go away, then I have no money to pay anyone. Right, right, So right. you take awesome care of the clients that we have, and we will – Live an amazing life together. Right. Right, which is management by objectives, which really FedEx discovered that. FedEx yep. discovered that. They were having huge operations issues until they changed their incentive model to exactly like you said, it wasn't paid per hour. It was, hey, you get paid per night of work. And once these, you know, they have like their main, I guess their main airport where all the packages and, you know, distribution is all mm-hmm. handled and things are segmented and put in the proper planes. And it was like an all night process. It was very inefficient. But as soon as they change it to, hey, once the work is done, you guys get to go home, the people line themselves up and it became like a two hour thing where before it was like an eight to 12 hour ordeal. Yeah. Because like who cares? People, yeah. Because people just <laughs> wanted to get, yeah, get the, get it in and get it, go home. And that's, and that's really important. There's two types. There's psychic income and there's financial, physical income and mm-hmm. for you that employee their physical income they were making more than enough right and that's yep. why you're the owner because you've got this you've got this big thermostat you're like i want to make this you know this big truckload of money right you want to come home and, and and bring home the bacon quote unquote but for yep. other people yeah they're just happy with a simple living and they would prefer prefer more psychic income more free time even yep. just the recognition of oh why is tommy leaving early oh because tommy's done such a great job and what i even like about that is that you avoid the peter principle and for anyone listening to the call that doesn't know what the peter principle is it's something that a lot in the industrial age anyways a lot of companies suffered from and that's when somebody did a good job so say you had a great sales rep you'd be like you're such a good sales rep joe i'm giving you a raise and we're going to make you sales trainer and then he does a good job of sales trainer you're like joe you're such a good sales trainer i'm going to give you a raise and we're going to make you sales team manager and then he's sales manager and joe you did such a good job we're going to give you a raise and we're going to promote you to state state sales director right like whatever that is you keep promoting them until they hit a job they suck at and then you can't promote them anymore, but then you can't de- demote them because they of all the good work that they did to get there. And so you have all these people that are rising to their highest level of incompetence versus taking someone like you have and just rewarding them in a way that they'll never get from another job that will make them stay there because your A-class A class players are so important. The team is so important. 
Um, yep. Yeah, I can I can definitely pinpoint the successes and failures I've had to the caliber of the the lack of a team or the quality team that I had around me. Yeah, um, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's 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 so powerful, Gary. That's such good guys. Listen to this. You, again, I say this a couple of times in a couple of calls, but really, I mean, you're only going to absorb maybe twenty to forty percent of this. Re-listen to this interview again. I mean, Gary's sharing some really good behind-the-scenes info on how he's built it, how he systemized it, automated it, even the process of developing his niche, like working with clients, figuring out what it was that they wanted, and being willing to offer more service. Which you know, I think I'm guilty of myself as not never offering enough service but that was a really needed thing in this industry and it's you're allowed you're able to charge premium prices on that service so it's not even like you're doing this altruistic you know like charity work at all like you're getting well paid to deliver really good service to people who need it when most people aren't willing to step up in that respect um and hats off to you for doing that successfully yeah, thank you very much. So, um, what do you see a lot of you like your clients when people first come to you? Is there kind of like what I mentioned with the martial arts school? When I got a new person, even if they came in as quote unquote an advanced player, I always found that there were gaps and there 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 are holes in their game. Is that do you find the same thing with clients when they come to you? There's often like a few holes that they have that you have to get patched up first before you can move forward with them, or yeah, sometimes it's a few holes, and sometimes it's it's not even a hole. It's just they've never done it. And they don't see the value in it or they've never known that it existed. Like we're right now, we're working on one of the biggest launches in the industry. Um, I can't mention the name, but it is one of the very biggest in the industry. Mm-hmm. And they've never ran Facebook ads for a launch. <laughs> Which is awesome. Ever ran Facebook ads for a launch. Yeah, yeah. And we've realized multiple six figures worth of income in this launch. Yep. On the Facebook ads. So – now, this particular person, they do seven-figure launches all the time. It's just like – I think it's like their 15th seven-figure launch that they've done wow. in a row. Yep. So it's not like they're not making money. It's just they've never done it, and yep. they just – they didn't know that they should be doing it. Yeah. And they finally decided to give it a shot, and it's just crushing it for them. Yeah. I mean to the point that, that we weren't on the leaderboard because we're internal. Okay. But not using any email whatsoever, only using Facebook ads, we finished the opt-in contest number five. Yeah, which is just awesome. awesome like awesome. beating out names like Ryan Dice. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah, I believe it. I mean most people don't realize that if like getting paid media, whether it's Facebook or magazines or whatever, there's just so much potential behind being yeah. able to get paid media to work. It's 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 such a worthy goal because yeah. – yeah, yeah. So it's not easy because if it were easy, there would be more, you know, overnight millionaires, quote unquote. But um, yeah, just just daily waking up. Excuse me. There's a great quote by Charlie Munger that I quoted this morning. See if I can find this. Um, where is it? And I, just because I love it so much, he said, "Spend each day trying to be a little wiser than you were when you woke up. Discharge your duties faithfully and well." Step by step, you get ahead, but not necessarily in fast spurts. But you build discipline by preparing for fast spurts. Slug it out one inch at a time, day by day, and at the end of the day, if you live long enough, like most people, you will get out of life what you deserve. And it's just great. Well, yeah, I just I'm I'm a big fan of quotes, and uh, I just think that that's a great quote. You just reminded me of it. Just when we talked about it, you're like, you got up and slugged it out every day, and. We were charging 24K and, you know, my margins weren't very good. And then we started charging more. And now that you've just really 
like refined and and you know for, forgive me for using a buzzword buzzword but optimized you what you do and that was something I didn't mention earlier that I think is brilliant that your mentor suggested you came up with a standard service offering you came up with a basic package that everyone gets put into and that's a book uh, built to sell they talk yep. about that that if you don't have a standard thing you're known for how do you build a simple process to, around that and exactly you're constantly doing custom things for people for clients and instead of being able to build a business where you've got repeatable uh, processes that you can duplicate and train people on, you're con- you're constantly this magician doing one-off tricks. Yep. Um, I just think that's that's again, people listen to this, got to listen to it again. Um, yeah, the, the other thing I'll say about all that is, and there's a huge debate going on. It's going on on my Facebook. It's going on in the industry, but it's about these quote-unquote lifestyle businesses. Okay. And a lifestyle business is kind of the business where you work enough that you don't work day in and day out or you don't feel like you have to work day in and day out. And there's a couple of trains of thought on it. My train of thought was really simple. I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, almost a seven-year-old at home. Mm -hmm. I've owned the business for five years. I missed part of their childhood Right. where I was traveling. I was – you know, working, I would get in the office at seven and not leave until seven o'clock at night. I was coming home and eating dinner and, you know, I would actually just start working. I would eat dinner and work. And then my wife would put the kids to bed. She would give them baths. I would get up in the morning and I was in the office before they woke up. I worked on Saturday or Sunday. I always worked one day of the weekend. Mm -hmm. So I was just working and working and working and working. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it and I said, you know, that's just not the life I want to live. That's not what I want to be known for. Right. You know, someone actually wrote an article and they're like, you know, taking the opposite stance. Or like, look at Michael Jordan. You know, did Michael Jordan say he only wanted to work or practice three days a week? Or, right. you know, Einstein. And I'm like, you know, Michael Jordan, and I know Michael Jordan, not personally, but I, 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 he's one of my favorite basketball players and I'm a huge fan. <laughs> Michael Jordan is a brilliant basketball player. He is not a good father and he was not a good husband. Hmm. He's divorced. He had mistresses, and he doesn't have the best relationship in the world with his kids. Right. So, you know, I think about that and I say, cool, you work your whole life and you have this awesome business, but what do you really want to be known for when you die? Right. You know, sure, you want to leave a legacy in your business. Awesome. Go leave a legacy in your business. Yep. But what legacy do you want to leave in your life? Do you want to say, do you want people to say, and, and do I want people to say, man, Gary Henderson? He was one of the best digital marketers that existed. Sure, that would be pretty cool. But what would be better for me is for my kids to say, man, dad was awesome. Yes. Or my wife to say, man, I have an awesome husband. Yep. Because that's what life's all about to me. Like having my business and doing this stuff, yeah, cool. It's just cool. Like I like it and I love helping people, but but there's a bigger meaning in life to me than, than interactivity digital. Yep. And, and you know, that's the big thing that I started to think about. And it's a transition I made a couple months ago, but it's, it's like, what do I really want? You know, do I want to keep growing the business or do I want to have a great balance and enjoy my life? Yeah. 
And That's life it. is way more important to me than business. Well, way more because you – yeah, you only live once. You should live yep. your life for yourself, not for other people. And yeah, you're never going to be on your deathbed and be wishing that you worked one more day. You're not like, please, God, give me more breath just so I can right. put one more day in at the – like that's not it at all. I mean we love what we do and yeah. I think that's part of the appeal of the lifestyle business. There's a great book that I want to recommend called How to Get Control of Your Time and okay. Your Life by mm-hmm. Alan Lakin. And that if you haven't read that, you can read that. But definitely for the listeners because what you talked about just now – is so important. Um, that's a book that I picked up that really hit home for me because it, it, it basically spelled exactly that out. Like, how do you want your eulogy to be like, what do you want someone to say? What are your top priorities for the next, you know, three, three months? What are your top priorities for the next uh, three to five years? And then if you knew you were going to die in six months, what would be your top priorities then? And trying to align those and then, you know, like, are you living with integrity? And is this how you want to be spending your time every day? I just think that that's so powerful. This came up on another call as well, that money isn't everything, but not, that's Kanye West, I think, says that in the song. He says, having money isn't everything, but not having it is. And right. so I think for you, it sounds like your company's up and running. You've kind of hit that mature business stage a bit where you're kind of like, you know, you're not definitely not in startup anymore. You're expanding your pro, your, your offerings. You, you're sorry, you're, you're expanding your prices. You're refining what it is that you do. You're probably trying to narrow that down a little bit more to yep. like a couple of specific sets. And then you're just having like for you, you're trying to step out of being in the business more and more and more. Um, so that sounds like exactly where it is you want to be and where you need to be. You found a group of people that you can serve and take care of. Um, it's a big enough market. You've got a seven-figure business out of that, uh, potentially multiple seven figures, maybe even eight-figure business once you really get things dialed in and if you decide to keep growing it. And for you, it's now just helping just coach your team and build relationships with your yeah. clients. And exactly, and just find that nice balance. Because here's even the thing I know for myself, what you mentioned about like the whole lifestyle business thing. I mean, I remember, you know, one of the first times that I had a lot of money in my bank account, more money than I'd made in years combined. And, you know, I think I was retired for like a week. And <laughs> just was like, <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, all right. So now what? Like, you know, because yep. um, I know at least for me, I've already traveled the world. A couple of times over, you know, so when I had it, it wasn't like, I'm going to go travel the world. And like, it's like you said, it's, it's just, what are my little cousins doing? I wonder what my parents are doing. I wonder what my friends, you know, I haven't talked to and forever are, you know, I haven't left my office in three months. I should maybe get a haircut and shave. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, it's, I want to work because I want to work, not because I have to work. Right. Right. And, you know, I want to be able to like, I read an article on um, Entrepreneur Magazine online the other day. It was, um, it was by Paula Rizzo, and it was the three lists every entrepreneur must make. And one of them is a to-do list. Mm-hmm. The second one is an outsource list, which I think those are uber important. Yes. The third one I hadn't thought of yet, though, and it's a to-become list. Mm. And it's you write a list of who you want to become. I love that. And so like to me, it's like – you know. I want to become this awesome dad that, the, that my kids just, just – they're just like my dad's the best dad in the world. I want to become this awesome husband. I want to become an awesome son and an awesome cousin and an awesome uncle, and I just want to become an awesome person, yep. not an awesome business person. Like cool if I become one, yep. but more than that, I want to become an awesome person. Yep, 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 yep. No, I think that's, I think that's powerful because nothing – 
nothing I think will will bitter you than will make you feel jaded and bitter about your life than spending it digging you know in the wrong direction and to come up and at the end of the day have gone a thousand miles and feel like you went the wrong direction. I know one of the things that's really warmed my heart and here's here's almost the perfect example and I don't know I might be treading into uh, dangerous waters with this analogy, but I just know, like, first of all, I think that we deserve to make good money and that it, you know, I think the two highest levels of success as a man, uh, you can, you can obtain is, and as a woman as well, is just to be one recognized as at the top tier of your chosen profession to like, to really help bring it to its best and help push the envelope and just, you know, and, and emulate that mastery and perfection and, and be that example for others in what you do. But the second thing is to raise a happy and healthy family and be a part yeah. of the, your community yeah. because you're just, that's where I think joy comes from is helping others. Um, I think happiness is doing something you love and being good at it. And then joy comes from helping others. Yeah. But the part that I say is dangerous is like, I've, I've, there's two examples of people I know who have been diagnosed with leukemia recently. And Ooh. one you know, he had five kids and they had a modest income and he did everything he could to be a good father and a good husband. And when he was diagnosed with leukemia, every weekend, all of his five kids, they all have children now. And like every night of the week and definitely every weekend for sure, when he was first diagnosed, the house was full of people. And now I saw Doug not that long ago and he's been battling leukemia successfully now for almost seven years. And he, you know, and it was really scary a few times, but he's so involved and in love with his kid, his grandkids and his kids and involved in their life, you know, even though he's up in age and, you know, he's retired now, it just still gives him like a purpose and meaning to live. Split that with somebody else I know that was diagnosed with it, who really didn't have the relationship ties there and they, you know, and they didn't have those deeper deeper roots or meanings and connections in their life. And they barely survived eight months battling leukemia themselves. And I, yep. I really think there is a difference. I remember that I read in a book, I think it was maybe the emotional intelligence book, but that they, there was a study done where women who were, uh, diagnosed as terminally ill with breast cancer on average lived 18 months longer if they were part of a support network. And, um, Anyway, so I, I think my rant here is just to highlight that, you know, you want to build a good business and even just maybe as a man and a provider, but then you also need to make sure that, you know, you have the other half of that as well, because I think it's very real, the the, the lonely executive with so much money in his bank account, but a, a heart with it and a home without love. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that's, that's really important. Um, all right, so I guess to kind of keep <laughs> keep us moving. Sorry, I'm like I'm like mentally, I'm like drifting off in philosophy land. But um, yeah, we we started to talk about marketing, and and we've just had this awesome conversation about life and business, and 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 so many more things that's so much deeper than marketing. Well, and that's again, it's it's we didn't get on this call to cover specific tactics. Um, and maybe we could talk about some principal stuff, but for the most part, I think what we've covered is really huge because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of interviews and, and I think we could talked about how the importance of paid media, that there's a ton of people who have like, like a fort, literally a fortune, hundreds of thousands of dollars hidden in their business. They don't even know exists because they don't know what they don't know. And that's mm-hmm. where someone like yourself or myself, we can step in and really help open their eyes. And, and, you know, you're a straight shooter. I know if you get on the phone with someone and if it's not there, you're not going to try to, 
like there's no benefit to you to try to lie to them and tell them that there is if there isn't and they'll see that themselves right but um, there's real benefit to working with someone who knows what they're doing that has a team of people smarter than them that um, has been there before and can get paid media to work there's so much potential if someone already has a business that's like been built on referrals or just organic you know, being on stage, whatever that is, I mean, just to vet the, because half the, half the thing is like the scariest thing and f- correct me if I'm wrong, but especially with paid media, it's promoting stuff that you don't even know if people want yet or how they want it and what offer. But if you've got yeah. someone who already has that, they already have an offer people are buying. They already kind of know who their market is. I mean, that's just, it's like night and day for you. Am, am I wrong or is that a half truth or? No, it's a, it's a hundred percent truth. Hmm. Like, we don't work with a lot of people who aren't already established and aren't already doing great things. And we don't work with a lot of people who are doing everything that we do and we just come in to replace someone. Right. Like the sweet spot for me is someone who has a lot of great things. They have this awesome business and they haven't been doing the things that we can do. Yeah. They just, they've built this awesome business through maybe JVs or affiliates or referrals or whatever they've done, but they haven't done what we've been doing. Or this awesome business that's kind of pieced it all together. They've been half-assing a lot of things, and now they have this cool business, but they haven't been able to truly focus on on scaling and growing something. Yep. And we're able to come in and systematize it and put it all under one umbrella and one roof and really make it work for them. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. So I say we take someone who's already doing a great business and we help them scale and escalate their business rather than taking someone who doesn't have a business and helping them grow one. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and that's, that's I think, again, like we mentioned, that can be a really easy win for a lot of people because, um, again, you just you do better when you know better, and, and there's no real magic to it. I've said this a few times. There's no bean counter in the sky that determines how much money your business is or isn't going to make. It's just – it's plumbing. It's – it literally is. It's how much water is in the reservoir. What sort of plumbing do we need to put together to funnel it over here? And, you know, it's just, it's like a trade. It's just like an electrician or a carpenter. Right. Yeah. It's just building these systems and funnels in place and flipping the right switches and obviously testing and optimizing. Um, that's really, really awesome. Very, very helpful. Um, so Gary, I don't want to take up too much time. We did say somewhere around an hour and, I think get the feeling we could keep this call going forever, but I do have a couple of questions for you. I think that I'd like to yeah. ask one is for you. What do you think ever was holding you back the most in it? Cause I, I, and the reason why I asked that question is because I feel like you've had a lot of breakthroughs in the last 12 month period in regards to increasing your prices and regards to, you know, like uh, stepping out of your staff's way, even incentivizing. I just want to ask kind of what sort of things do you think were really holding you back um, we've talked a little bit about your big discoveries, but for you, what do you think would have helped you get to where you are today faster, um, if that makes sense? The things that you, you uncovered or, or stepped through? Yeah, I think if I would have – I think if I would have opened my eyes and, and pulled a mentor in or someone outside of my business to to see the bigger picture earlier, it would have helped me. I was so focused on what I thought would work and what I thought was best rather than than learning what the the greater industry needs. Mm. So that could have helped me. I think if I would have actually just focused more, um, rather than being in survival mode and trying to go out and just make money, 
if I would have said, this is what I'm going to do and just truly focused on being the best at that. Rather than – I mean there were times in my business that I would take any client that was willing to pay me money because I had a bill to pay. Right, right, right. And we all get there, and we all may end up there again. Right. Yeah. But like <laughs> I don't even think that I'm out of that stage forever. Like I'm out of that stage right now. But yeah. like I think if I would have just been able to put my heels down and say I'm only going to work with clients who fit into this sector yeah. or clients who need this service. Rather than if a client, I mean, hell, clients used to come to me and say, hey, we need to buy a bunch of TV ads. And I'm like, cool, I can do that. Then they're like, hey, we want to run billboards. Awesome, we, can, we got a designer, we can do billboards. Right. And then they're like, we want to build this awesome kick-ass website. Cool, we'll develop that for you. Right. Like I was doing everything for everyone, and now I'm just like, this is what we do. We're brilliant at it. And yeah. if you want to work with us, I'm more than happy to do so. Yep, yep, yep. And here's something that can even to that. So let's say you build this business that does just this specific set of things and it does it really, really well. But you really, you discover at some point that really that business and you didn't realize cause you didn't do the research in the beginning, but it's probably only ever going to do around, you know, 250,000 net a, a year. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that's the end of the world for you. That's when I think as an entrepreneur, you have to step into the role as a, of a business owner and it's a perfect opportunity to a work on building and, and, uh, you know, f- and following through with an exit or kind of like where you're at Gary is learning at getting out of more and more of the day-to-day operations. So you can set up another business that you refer clients to that does the billboard ads that does the TV buying and have multiple companies that specialize in little things. That was something that I was a big aha for me as well, that you don't necessarily need to have one business that, you know, that takes you to the moon and it's easier and better if you can because of focus, but it's not necessarily the end of the world either. If you can have a couple of um, almost like an umbrella company with a bunch of subsidiaries, yeah, um, um, I agree on that a hundred percent. I think coming getting ancillary companies to to come, whether it's through a partnership and acquisition or something you start on your own, mm-hmm. is great. You know, the other thing, and, and Daryl, this is one of my big initiatives, is growing wealth rather than growing business. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, like, I only before. need to make so much money. Like, I don't need that much money. Like, I don't live this lavish lifestyle. I mean, I live in South Carolina in like a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar house, and like that's that's a pricey house. It's very pricey for South Carolina, and my wife won't let me move. She's like, "We're not moving to another house, so like I don't need to go buy a new house or anything like that." So now it's like, how do I take the amount of money I need to make, and how do I make it from two sources or three sources or four sources, mm-hmm. rather than like let's just use that two hundred and fifty thousand dollar number you you said, mm-hmm. like instead of trying to get one company to pay me five hundred thousand. Why can't I find two revenue streams of two hundred and fifty thousand apiece? Right. Some right. of them may be investments or, or passive income or leveraged income. Some of it could be other active income because I've turned, you know, maybe maybe interactivity digital doesn't require me to, to work in the company five days a week. Right. And I can go focus my time doing something else and, and duplicate or replicate. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, I love it. I think that's exactly it. Multiple streams of income and just really treating your life like a business, not just your business like a business. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's something a mentor said to me a long time. He said, if you treat your business like a business, it'll pay you like a business. If you treat your business like a hobby, it'll pay you like a hobby. And I think that that's the same thing with your personal life. I think that's great advice. So um, that's awesome. Thank you, Gary. What are you you working on these days? What are you most excited about? What's really kind of lighting a fire under you and, and... and making you feel passionate and motivated and filling your days with joy? Um, I mean, when it comes into business, it's really just helping more and more people. You know, we're just finishing up our third seven figure launch of the year. 
Um, it's it's another one of the bucket list launches. So it's it's working with some big names and learning a ton. Um, when it's in life, it's it's honestly I want to work. I don't want to have to work as much as I've had to in the past, and I want to keep growing and scaling the business. I want to I want to build a team that if something happens, my wife and I have actually talked about this. So I know you said you had a couple people that have been diagnosed with leukemia recently. Um, we actually had it was my wife's. We call her best friend. Somebody, one of my clients, said it was her soul sister. They've been friends since birth, and their mothers are both our best friends. So it's way more than just a friend. And her husband, which was I think thirty-seven years old, um, just passed away, oh, and wow. he left behind a like an eighteen-month-old, a yep. four-year or five-year-old stepdaughter, yep. and um, or not stepdaughter, a um, adopted daughter, and then like an eleven-year-old daughter. And looking at that and saying, you know, well, I just want to—I want to enjoy life a little bit more, and I want to be able to to know that if something happens to me, that my family's taken care of and and stuff like that. So, how can I pull myself out of the business and grow it as a true business, and not grow it as Gary Henderson's hobby? Right, right, right. And right. you know, if something happens to me, could this business still run without me being involved? Mm. And could it still generate the income that my family needs? Mm-hmm. Or you know, if something happened to me tomorrow, and and I was no longer on this earth, and the business had to shut down, like how would my family have an income? Right, right. Like right, sure, right. I have life insurance, but that stuff runs out. Yep. You know, if you're looking at a quarter million dollars a year, well, nobody's giving you like a. I mean, over ten years, that's two point five million. I mean, I plan on being around for like. I'm only 33, so at least like 45 or 50 right, more years. Right, right, right. So who's going to generate the income for those next like 20 more years that I may be working? Like that's a lot of money at $250,000 a year over 20 years. You know, if you just look at it as 10 years, that's 2.5 million. Yeah. yeah. So you're looking at five million dollars. There's not a lot of life insurance policies that you can get for five million. Yep. Yep. And so that's kind of what's making me excited now is. How can I grow my wealth? How can I diversify my income streams? And how can I just be just a better person in general for everyone, mm-hmm. family, friends, business? Just yeah. how can I make myself better? Yeah, yeah. How can you extend – That's just, yeah, it's one of the same things I remember thinking about. It's like, all right, now that I got my business and money right, how do I make everything else in the world right? And how do I try to – like really, realistically, how do I try and create utopia on earth? How do I create that for my family, my friends, my – you know, how I get my health where it needs to be, support my family? Yeah. And that really – yeah, and just – yeah, that's a great, 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 great place to be in and a great feeling to have. Um, that's awesome, Gary. Good for you. Good for oh, thank you. you. Um, thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate this candid forum and the ability to just, uh, you know, just really just be brutally honest with things. Cause I, I feel that that's something that a lot of business owners miss out on that they don't, you know, they're, they're working and they're in this grind and they're silos. They're not even paying attention to news. And like you said, they're missing out on their family's lives. I just think it's really important for people who have been there and done that to be able to take the time and just share their thoughts and, you know, even if it's not about, you know, how to, how to do your contracts and how to set up your funnels and all that stuff. I mean, you know, there's a lot of those resources here in the best business uh, podcast, all the other podcasts we have and our resources. 
Um, you can reach out to Gary. I mean, a lot of that stuff is out there, but I think the behind the scenes, the motivations, the mindset stuff, the emotional stuff, getting that stuff in line and making sure you're approaching it the right way. I think that that's really important. And I hope that it's been useful for people listening because, um, you know, a lot of us, I think I really like just when you're talking about what is success for you, because that's such a big aha. I mean, you can, you can spend a lot of energy running a race and going in the wrong direction and only to discover that you've been running the wrong way all that time. Right. Um, so no, I think this was really, really, really powerful stuff. Gary, is there anything else you want to add? Anything like any, any tips or tricks or bits of wisdom for anyone that might be listening in? Yeah. I, I mean, the biggest thing that I can say is come up with what your big why is and why you're doing all this. You know, whatever that reason is, it's, it's okay for you. It's the right why for you. And that can change. And it can evolve and it can grow. And, but always keep that in mind, whatever the right why is for you. Like if the right why is I want to spend more time with my family, awesome. Make sure everything you do is serving that why. If it's I want to grow this awesome, massive empire and this business and I want to be known as the best business person, that's fine for you. Then make sure it's serving that why and make sure that every single thing that you do serves that big why that's, that's in your life at that moment. Mm-hmm. And being ruthless about that as well. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's uh, John Lee Dumas is a friend of mine and he, yep. a lot of people talk to him. They, he is just so focused. It's crazy. It's just, it's so crazy. Uh, he'll pass up pass an interview to be on whatever on CNN because he's like, it just doesn't fit in with what I want to do. Like, he's like, it'd be great. You know, I pat myself on the back, but it has nothing to do with what my goals yeah. are. And that's just, that's really admirable. So yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Gary, thank you so much. If anyone wants to reach out to you or, or find out more about you and what you guys are doing, uh, where can they do that? Um, interactivitydigital.com is the website. Um, I'm really active on Facebook. Um, so it's Gary Henderson on Facebook. So I'm really active there. Um, that's, that's probably the only two places that I'm, I'm uber active is, is on the website. So if you go to the website and you fill out the contact form, it does come to my email address directly. Hmm. And then, you know, on Facebook, like I said, I'm, I'm uber active on Facebook. That's awesome. All right. So that's Gary Henderson. That's G-A-R-Y-H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N and with Interactivity Digital and it's interactivitydigital.com, I believe. Yes, yes, you are correct. And uh, or Gary Henderson on Facebook. And of course, you can always reach out. And if you're on our podcast page, then it'll be there'll be links in the show notes. Um, but if you're hearing this on some other streaming site, please look up Gary on Facebook or uh, check out his website, Interactivity Digital, if you're interested in more information. Gary, thank you so much for your time. I know that you're busy. Um, I know it's that time of year as well. Um, but again, it's just, it's been a pleasure to work with you on, on past projects. I look forward to working with you in future ones. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to share with our listeners. I know that you've just got a huge, big giving heart and I really hope that, um, that this call helps some people out there. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you for having me. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. 
Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast, and if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself, and remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.